Now more than ever, the industry that fuels the world needs the right people to modernize and unify a global energy platform. The transformation is both digital and cultural. Join us as we explore strategies for success in the hyper-competitive war for talent here on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by the IBM North American Oil and Gas Team. So, a little about our sponsors, Ericsson. As we're all aware, the oil and gas industry is digitizing rapidly. In addition to helping the industry reap the benefits of cost reductions, capture efficiencies for top-line revenue, achieve safety and environmental goals, digitization is enabling better and stronger connectivity. Ericsson provides best-in-class connectivity solutions for the oil and gas industry with its 4G and 5G private networks. Check out their site at www.ericsson.com forward slash oil and gas. I will put this in the notes of each one of the episodes. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Energy Workforce for Tomorrow. I'm Jerry Lewis. I work with IBM's oil and gas team in Houston. I'm here with my co-host, Neil Syme. Hello, Neil. How are you doing, Jerry? What's happening? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I've been traveling around the world recently, so I'm glad to be back in Texas, man. It's, uh, yeah. The sun is out. It's all good. Yeah. Well, I'm in my garden. I think that's what you called it earlier. I would say patio, but you said garden, so I'm in my garden. It's a lovely, <laughs> lovely day here. So, Neil, we've got a special guest today, an atypical guest for oil and gas, someone from the gig economy, serial tech startup founder. We love to mix things up, Jerry. Yeah, That's do. what this is. We do. Well, who do we have today, Neil? Here we have Jason Radisson. So, Jason, please take the floor and introduce yourself. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm Jason Radisson. I run a company called Movo. I'm a, as Jerry mentioned, a serial entrepreneur. I've been involved in the gig economy for quite a few years now with some of the ride-sharing and delivery companies like Rappi, 99 Taxis, and Uber. Yeah, that's fascinating. So we, we and Jerry did have a quick chat around some of your CV, and it's impressive. There's so many different companies and experience in there, for sure. So, I mean... Maybe you could just give us a bit more in terms of where you started at and how that progressed through the future to where you are now. Yeah, sure. Happy to share. So I, you know, had what's probably not the most typical background, but maybe among founders, maybe a little bit more of a typical background. There's a long way of saying I kind of started as a bootstrapped kid. I have had a 16-year-old single mom. I grew up in a really rural part of New England, kind of literally on a dirt road. And, you know, from my education very early on, work always played a big part. You know, definitely in my family, we were bootstrapped. There wasn't a lot of education. And I really had the experience of sort of growing up with my mom and then later my stepdad. And we worked and we went to school and we did a bunch of things like that. You know, as I look at work and how it's evolved, I've been interested in topics around future of work. And I think kind of on all levels, because I really see, you know, I think fundamentally, I think in the potential or I think about the potential of every person. And I know a lot of the things that hold poor and underprivileged people back just from personal experiences and things that you don't know are opportunities because you can't see them. Part of what I'm, you know, I think the mission of our company and the mission of some of the bigger companies that I've grown, you know, we're really here to help provide that opportunity. And it, mm. it may not be the thing that always catches the headline, but I think it's the soul and really sort of the spirit 
of these platforms done the right way, for sure. So Jason, it sounds like, and I know we discussed this quite a bit in our pre-meet, so let me try to distill that. It sounds like an altruistic market-making activity that you're engaged in now, where you're taking pools of labor, individuals who perhaps have a set of skills that could be used by any given company, and then matching them up, both in terms of what they can provide and what the you know, companies need, so supply and demand. And then also, I think you mentioned something around you know, kind of equalization of pricing for labor or wages, if you will, and kind of just figuring out how to, a way to connect labor and connect the folks demanding labor in a more efficient, effective way especially when there's a need for a lot of labor, maybe in a flexible manner, up and down. Very, very, very much so. Yeah, yeah. And I think very broadly speaking, there are a lot of technologies that a platform like ours uses, you know, from phone accelerometers and GPS and other things like that. But I think you could kind of distill it all down to marketplace technologies and transactional platforms. And their ability to really help people in the world. You know, if you look at eBay and the hundreds of thousands of small businesses that use that platform to sell their goods, if you look at how we're able to get airline seats, you know, on all kinds of flights that kind of get yielded out in real time, if you look at what happened to the trading floors at the stock exchanges and how we sort of can immediately as small investors, maybe larger investors, place transactions, all of these things are really kind of the magic of platforms. Mm-hmm. When we looked at blue collar labor, not so much. We didn't you know, really see, we saw a lot of friction. We saw a lot of paper. We saw a lot of Excel out there. And so you know, fundamentally, as we started on this journey, that's what we wanted to first solve. I think there's a little bit more to it, I think, to do this well, at least certainly in our company. There's a spiritual component. We want, you know, the work to be there and uplifting. We want to work with clients that are high road employers, that are good places to work, good people. We don't want exploitive environments. So I think all these things kind of come together. It's a software, but then, you know, there's a bit of a spiritual layer on top of the Mm. software as well. It's not like we don't usually hear that in some of potentially your competitors or I don't know. <laughs> so maybe maybe get, let's hear a little bit back on Movo, so where you're a CEO and founder at the moment, and just talk about how that's evolved. I think you've been there about four and a half years or so. So yeah. how has that evolved and how you've seen the requirement evolve and then you meeting that requirement thereafter? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, when we started out, Movo started as a project, a handful of friends and I who had been working in the gig economy together on some of the ride sharing platforms. We started the company and we were first going to basically build a bridge for the Uber driver. We wanted to figure out sort of how do you get them out of a part-time gig and you know, no sort of criticism on Uber. There are plenty of people that want a, you know, fully variable schedule in the part-time gig. But what about all the guys and gals that are trying to, you know, put kids through college or, you know, trying to get a career and level up and, and maybe move to a better neighborhood? What are we doing for those guys? And we thought, you know, manufacturing logistics has really been kind of, you know, technologically kind of been the same place for quite a while. That's probably a market that we could build a lot of efficiency into. And when we first started talking to clients, you know, we found in our early experiments that that was absolutely true. So we evolved from those first experiments of sort of 2019 into 2020. In the very first days of 2020, 
a bunch of us went full time. We got a first couple of contracts with some really big Fortune 50, Fortune 10 companies to run some pilots. And then the pandemic happened and we became, you know, kind of the special forces for filling your factory or your warehouse back up with people if you were totally depleted from the pandemic. And we had a bunch of technologies already in place then to super, super automate and make hiring more efficient and onboarding and deployment of teams. And that was really, those were all the early days of our company. Yeah. You said something in your description there. You said level up, which totally reminds me of my kids, you know, playing games online and reminds <laughs> me of you know, online gaming. So in our pre-discussion, we talked a little bit about online play. So help us and help our clients, our industry, oil and gas, understand the relevance of sort of gig tech and online multiplayer tech, let's say. Make that relevant for us. Like, what does that mean? And how could that apply for, you know, companies like that we're working with? Totally. And, you know, and everybody has legacy systems. So that's maybe, you know, <laughs> the first caveat I would say, wherever you are technologically. But I think, you know, we talked about platforms and platforms, these real-time platforms and their ability to, you know, in the case of eBay, deal with a couple billion interactions a month or, you know, Bloomberg and sort of stock exchange technology and the transactional volume that deals with. I think what HR software is going to look like is more like a massive online game. It's going to be more of that experience. And the border between operational software and HR software is really going to blur because ultimately, you know, if you have 10,000 people in your manufacturing facilities, you know, that's a real time problem. How you resource them, you know, who's working kind of where, what schedule modifications you do, where your wage pricing is, where your marginal wage pricing is for, you know, shift differentials, bonus structures, overtime, all those kinds of considerations are things that, you know, massive platforms do really, really well. And anymore, we have really nice interfaces. You can, you know, if you're, Working in Movo, you have a really nice interface on your mobile phone. You can see where all of your teams are and where sort of where everybody is and what's going on with all of them and how their productivity is going. Yeah. yeah, Neil, I'm sure this will resonate with you when we're trying to find that one consultant that's got, you know, like interactive experience and consumer capabilities, but a specific capability in like one commerce oh, software man. platform or something. It can be so <laughs> hard to find them. We got 400,000 right. employees and right. how do we find that person? So I was thinking as you said that, like if you got 10,000 folks across a bunch of warehouses in one big industrial estate and you had one machine break and there's like three people that know how to fix it, how do you find that person? How do you get them over there? It seems like, it's you know, I was thinking about like my little squad of wizards and paladins and knights and whatnot. And like the guy that, uh, the woman that's got <laughs> this one spell, I'm going to yeah. go like fight that monster, right? I mean, in a multi-online gaming analogy. I was going so down Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, as Minecraft, opposed to building up yeah. our organization. But it, it sounds like if you had a real-time view of what the skills were and what the demands were, then you could maybe better deploy them or be more efficient in the way 100%. Am I making that up or is that like a real thing? That's it. And I think there's an experience that I would relate, which is like, you know, I think all of us that have run big cities, big gig market places and platforms, you know, and I mean... Any reasonable region might have 200,000 drivers. It might have a million drivers. You know, what you start to get a sense of is just the power of numbers. And, 
you know, I think a lot of us that work in business, if you worked around the world, I generally have a philosophy that talent is evenly distributed. You can go into any part of the world and you can find amazingly talented people. When you run a platform with a million workers, you know, if you look at the top, you know, 0.1%, they're really amazing and much more amazing than even whatever job you might happen to have them in now. We definitely, you know, got to know that in any of my organizations and in a big platform. And we're applying the same kind of principle. And if you think about it too, not only, you know, do I have like the ability to pull the most high performing people out of a million out of a hat in that kind of a platform environment, but it's all real data. It's not self-reported on LinkedIn or something. It's not a resume. Somebody emailed me. It's literally like second by second for maybe the last four years while they've been working with you every day. So you just have, you have a very, very different read on what real performance is. I think, you know, that's where we talk about, I think the best metaphor and some of the best features and the stuff that we're building really are, it aligns to like experience points in gaming because you've got it, you've you've got trip counts and you've got hours in role and hours on this machine. Yeah, It's cool. Anyway, the development. And what about, because we talk a lot about the skills that the workforce needs. And I've seen so many articles recently mm-hmm. about how, you know, if you're getting a job in AI, you're getting a job in data science, like you don't necessarily have to have a lot of skills. If you have the right sort of approach, attitude, potential, things of that nature, you'll get trained, you'll get what you need. Like, how do you, are there ways that you can drive through gamification, through this platform, the right skills and have people sort of self-identify and train based on prompts that you give them? Or like, are you doing anything like that or seeing anything like that? Yeah, totally. So we do career pathing. We do, excuse me, active career pathing where we identify that somebody has the right set of behaviors that really correlate to doing well in the next job. The other thing that we're just starting to get into is we're putting a social layer on top of our platform where workers will be able to communicate and interact informally out of work. So certainly with work and, you know, if I'm a nurse on the day shift and I can interact informally with the people on my floor who are on the night shift and find out about patients and things that are going on, you know, on the floor. But then, you know, being able to follow some people who are doing the same kind of thing that I'm doing maybe in Sydney and, you know, finding out what's different there and maybe, you know, a little bit of what the job market's like there and what the career opportunities are like there. Or maybe somebody, you know, I'm working in an ER and I would want to get extra qualification to work in surgery and being able to follow and informally communicate with people that have that expertise. So really, you know, back to what I said earlier, I think a lot of people definitely a different level. If you're already a skilled worker and skilled in your profession, you're seeing around corners by sort of being able to work with your peers in this informal, low-risk way. And I think just kind of opening up the platform to be the broadest possible source of information for folks that want to get ahead on any level in their role. And so looking ahead, what do you think is basically the real key thing that some of our big companies that work in our industry and the energy industry, whether it be oil and gas utilities, what have you, where yeah. are they, where do you think they're maybe missing a trick that something like your technology or similar trends you're seeing in the market that they need to start getting on top of quick? 
Definitely. We're seeing a lot of requests for our technology. And I think what I would call the deployment is kind of like internal talent marketplace, which is similar, which is helping to surface, you know, where the next opportunities might be, finding Jerry, that particular specialist in some version of programming that's somewhere within the organization, but not evident to anyone. There's a real application there. And it might be something more mundane. It might be you know, crap, we're doing inventory and we need to bring in extra 50 guys from outside the market. I think that's one of the first applications for and relatively easy change management and implementation. In the contractor market, a lot of our clients use contractors. We're talking about this a bit in our pre-meet, Jason. Would you see the contracting companies, right? The sort of labor owners, if you will, that's the wrong Mm -hmm. word, but the folks who control the contract labor staffing teams, are they starting to employ this tech as well to make sure they can like better source and match and distribute CVs and get them in front of the companies that want to acquire a lot of contract labor? Because a lot of our clients don't necessarily hire 20,000 people, but they certainly will you know, bring them on as contractors for the various assignments they've got that are temporary in nature. Yeah, I think it's an important step. I don't think many of them are there yet. There is a pull from industry to have the ability to get some short-term kind of burst capacity, extra capacity. And I think that's where we'll see it most, but we don't see a lot of blended teams. I think part of it too has been, the tech has been missing. And, you know, we talked about sort of the massive online player experience, you know, a supervisor who is overseeing four different sites and 20 different teams and has scheduling complexity and, you know, even relocation complexity or travel complexity in there. In our system, we built it from the ground up to work with our clients, direct FTEs, but also accept contractors in the mix. So they get kind of a guest account. And then in our world, they're sort of deployable the same as internal would be. Mm. But if you're coming from a staffing agency and you've got the local branch and you're Dealing with your client, probably less so. We probably have a ton of expertise about hiring people quickly and efficiently and deploying them, less so about that kind of internal workforce management. Yeah, yeah. And then you mentioned gray markets and how this technology is yeah. really helpful in places like you know Latin America and other places where maybe it's not so, you know, it's, it's not as straightforward yeah. to sort of hire yeah. people. Can yeah, you comment definitely. on that a bit? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, US and I think, you know, sort of other rich countries, you know, pandemic and post-pandemic, we're really seeing this whole this whole challenge of like us trying to fill our rosters with fewer people entering the workforce and more people retiring than ever before. We're all trying to make do with less. I think when you look at the developing world, there are plenty of people in need of jobs. So the problem isn't getting enough people. A lot of where our platform is coming to play, and I think a lot of HR tech in the developing world is putting structure into kind of gray labor areas. And we've seen our clients have, you know, they've been able to get sort of workers off the payroll who weren't really there. Some of our clients have had sort of phantom worker problems, other forms of time fraud. And a big one is overtime reduction because in the developing world, you know, if, if everything's a little bit chaotic and you're not actually sure who's an employee and who isn't, and that's all gray and not really well recorded, if you have a nice, clean system managing all of that, 
you don't need to pay as much overtime. You don't need as much guys. You know, you can really kind of trim your schedules to exactly what you need. It's a different set of challenges, but I mean, in this market, you know, where we are kind of in this global economic malaise at the, at the moment, it's really helpful to be able to be more precise in any environment, I guess, with your resources. In some of our previous podcasts, we've tackled some subjects like quiet quitting and things like that yeah. that are kind of like anti-work and engagement <laughs> practices. Do you guys are able to do anything? Where do you see the trend going? And it's just more about engagement of the workforce, even more than hiring them. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I think, you know, a big part for us is really enabling communication. It's a big part of motivation. We talked about career pathing. That's very motivating for a lot of people. If they know that this opportunity is, you know, kind of an on-ramp to a great opportunity and they can get visibility to those jobs that are down the road once they get the experience. A lot of where our workers are motivated is that communication and that kind of tight connection with the whole team. And I talked about it earlier. There's a cultural kind of almost spiritual aspect to a high-performing team. I think it's, you know, speaking for us, but like we've all had the experience of really working on an awesome team. And, you know, I think having systems in place, it ultimately that transparency leads to better team dynamics and better culture. Everybody's communicating. It's clear who's pulling their weight, who's not. It's not a great place to hide if you're, you know, (laughs) apathetic and you don't really like to work. You're not going to like to work on our platform for one of our clients. But if you do, it's going to be really great and you're going to get a lot of recognition also. It's not going to be self-reported. It's not just you talk a lot and so you get ahead. It's the work kind of shines through when you've got tools like this. To bridge a gap a little bit between sort of gig economy and our clients who I'll say generally trend towards larger, you know, software packages, ERP systems and things of that nature. What's the strategy for a company like that to implement something like Movo and then connect those things in a way that's useful for them or that, you know, doesn't seem like an impossible task just because they don't have those skills internally and they can't visualize this and it just runs counter to the historical culture. Totally, totally. Well, I think, you know, broadly speaking, mobile and the functionality that we've built already covers, you know, kind of most of the use cases probably, you know, at least as we've defined them, sort of 90% of what you need to do with frontline workers in order (laughs) to do it well. You know, I think that means that you've got plenty of choices. You can barely integrate anything and run it. Well, and a lot of our clients run it pure standalone, or you can kind of pick and choose where you want. You really want to maintain legacy systems. We have clients that integrate into their ERPs. We have clients that only integrate into payroll processing, you know, and just pay paychecks and wage taxes out of it and benefits really depends. You know, I think we've had the experience and, you know, it's a personal experience, but I think also a number of our team members and sort of our investors in our syndicate that, you know, it's really hard in HR to do these really narrow point solutions because of these metadata problems. And, you know, nobody wants, you know, download do-it-yourself app to have all of their PII and employee data and everything like that. So it's something we're really conscious of. And, 
I think that's kind of the main decision point is if SAP or an HRIS is going to really be the system of record, then we just integrate over and we make sure that all of the data end up over there as a system of record. A lot of our clients don't have it or don't have something like that or are ready to make the leap and then we can be that system for them. It's an interesting topic. It's interesting to kind of see how things evolve. And I think our approach of, you know, kind of being all in one and all the features that matter on the front line are really, is really proving out to be the winning strategy. And for the energy workforce of tomorrow, like speaking of the workforce itself, the next generation or two of workers, how important is it for companies to interact with these employees and the way they are accustomed to interacting with the rest of the world? (laughs) If you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. I do. And it's, you know, I think super important. And I think super doable. You know, not many of us who have worked in the corporate environment really relish kind of sitting down and working with the HR system. And, you know, we've, the technology's there as we were talking about it, you know, certainly some of our competitors and a lot of kind of newer software applications, enterprise software applications have great mobile interfaces and great chat functionality and just a lot of really, you know, organic feeling, nice ways to kind of interact with everybody, you know, and it's some of it, you know, can be, it's sort of the introverts on the team. It's, it's the extroverts on the team. You have different modalities for communicating, but generally I think everybody's, it is, it's somehow it's more, more connected you know, than kind of we've ever been before. I think the other piece too, that's so fascinating is like, what are we doing with like, you know, hybrid workplaces too? And, you know, what about those team members who are remote? And, you know, at least if everything is sort of happening, it's almost like this communication layer on top of the workplace. And if that's really rich and robust, then hopefully you're engaging those folks at home a lot better too. So that was going to be my question is, Jason, you're in a unique position to answer, where do you think the workforce of tomorrow is going to go next? We've had this hybrid working beginning, but it's evolving. And we're in this kind of struggle right now where people are trying to get people back to work or companies are trying to get them back to work. But before I see it, people are resisting a lot of the time. So they need to find the right balance. What do you think will be the eventual, if there ever is, next step? of this evolution we're going through right yeah. of the workforce. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, I think it's going to tend to settle out into kind of different layers, different buckets. I think, you know, if you're a super experienced lawyer and you have a particular type, particular specialty, I'm not sure that you're going to have to go into the office very much, you know, just to make a general kind of analogy. You know, certainly I think people are just starting out. There's a ton of benefit from in-person work and learning, you know, elbow to elbow with other folks. For a lot of us, it's, I think if you're somewhere in between, it's sort of a trade-off of, you almost have to sort of manage your location. And we never had to do that before. Is it more worth it to go to the office today? Or shoot, I have a bunch of calls with Europe. Maybe I should stay home because then I have that commute time. So we're doing like these, almost like these productivity analyses in our heads before we decide whether or not to get in our car in the morning. So I think, you know, maybe those are the three big buckets, but I think it's, I think we're kind of getting into this world where it's just not going to be everybody nine to five is in the office or longer if you're, you know, an investment banker, but something very different now. Yeah. And 
That's all so fascinating. I'm conscious of time here. We got to maybe get into some wrap up. But the last question I have for you was like, this maybe mostly applies, at least the way I can see it right now, to blue collars, maybe the wrong word, but folks who are doing, you know, tasks that are trackable and measurable and, you know, productivity that's trackable and measurable, you know, that seems like the primary you know, sort of cohort that we can go after. But how do you see eventually all the ranks of employees, you know, up into the, you know, executive ranks or more senior management ranks? Like, how are we measuring their performance, their engagement, and putting people on equal footing? Because I'm conscious that frontline workers often bear the brunt of, you know, challenges like having to go into the office during a pandemic, right? Right, Because you can't do your job from home. Like, how do you see that sort of differential changing or not changing based on these technologies. Totally. Well, I think one of their, there's a big trend on the first rungs of the ladder and that's to higher skilled jobs. I mean, we've definitely seen it in our manufacturing logistics practice. There's a lot of robots, a lot of robots in the last year or two. They're not replacing, you know, skilled workers. They're not replacing managers. They're not replacing really highly trained machine operators. They're replacing entry-level guys. So I think part of this is skilled, I'll call it broadly skilled labor, skilled professionals, but then it blends blue collar, white collar, but everything from, you know, solar panel installation tax to, you know, wind power maintenance guys to adjunct professors to nurses, people who are doing these roles that require, let's call it, you know, two to seven years of higher education and are high volume and generally have to be in person, I think it's going to be travel. I think there's going to be big national cohorts and you're going to be able to work wherever you want and kind of get not the local wage, but like what the going wage is in the country. I think that's an evolution that we're just on the start of. You know, I think a platform like ours is one of the ways we definitely, our profile is portable. So if you're building work history with us, it's yours and you can take it to your next job. And if that's on our platform, great. If it's not great, you know, we'll provide everything you need. I think that's going to be sort of the wave of the future. You have just a broad section of our economy that's going to be skilled labor. Very broadly defined, very broadly defined. That's really interesting because you mentioned sort of skills that follow you, not in a LinkedIn or resume way, but in a demonstrated, trackable experience points way to go back to that yeah, analogy of the right. massive <laughs> online game. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I think is that time almost to wrap up then, Jerry? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've Jason, got, I've, I've got go, one last question. Oh, go ahead. All right. Yeah, you're, yeah, a serial, you're a serial entrepreneur, Jason. Next time you do the next big thing, we want on the ground floor, right? We want, <laughs> we want, we want to invest from the beginning, right? That next billion dollar idea. Yeah, no, just give us a shout before week one. We're in. <laughs> <laughs> that C deck will be, you know, coming your way, Neil. Just yeah. go for it, man. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. No, awesome. Jason, thanks so much. Is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know? Any, any way they can reach you or, you know, see anything that you've got out there that, you know, they could take a look at for more Yeah, absolutely. Easiest way is our company website at movo.co, M O V O.co. That's okay. the best way to get in touch with me or any of the, okay. any of the okay. wonderful folks on our team. All right. Well, I hope our cross pass again. I yeah. I think that there's opportunities, Jason, as we mentioned in our pre-meet, for us to potentially work together. You know, IBM Consulting and Movo and the things that you're doing and making those things relevant for oil and gas and energy clients, the ones that we work with. So we really appreciate your time and thanks for 
all the insights and sharing your story. Super enjoyable and, and really fascinating and informative. Yeah, thanks, Neil? Jason. That was great, yeah. honestly. Right. Really awesome. Fascinating stuff. Okay, thanks. thanks. Have a great thanks, day. All right. Thanks for having okay. me on. All right. All right. Been a pleasure. Care. Bye. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Join us again next week on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com. <laughs> <laughs>